0: Let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. As we continue our study through Genesis, uh, we pick up in 13, a couple weeks ago we had Pastor Ed visiting and he shared and taught out of Genesis chapter 12, uh, looking at Abraham and his journey to Egypt and um, why he went to Egypt and, and the problems he faced in Egypt because He took matters into his own hands. We see kind of a pattern so far in Genesis uh, in this idea that people keep trying to take matters into their own hands. And when they're doing that, they are forgetting and or forsaking the promise of God. Going back to the beginning, you look at Adam and Eve and taking matters into their own hands, forgetting God's promises, forgetting the truth, uh, looking at even where Abraham came from. When we look at the Tower of Babel uh, a few weeks ago, when we studied through the Tower of Babel, we saw that what had happened, they had forgotten or forsaken the promise of God, which was that he would not destroy the world with the flood ever again. So what do they do? Well, they're like, well, we don't need the promise of God. We're going to build a waterproof city and a waterproof tower that could never be overcome by a flood altogether, right? And so, again, it's, we, don't, we don't care about the promise of God or we don't need the promise of God or we just have forgotten the promise of God and maybe hasn't been passed on from gener- generation to generation very well to the point that Abraham was raised as a, as a man who had no idea the promise of God. He was raised in, in a world of pagan worship, and then God brought him out, took him out of the world he lived in, and brought him to the other side. Uh, and then even in chapter 12 there, as God gives now this renewed promise to Abraham after he had plucked him out, Joshua tells us, um, Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house, this is chapter 12, to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your uh, name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is an, an amazing promise to Abraham. That's the starting point for him as he's walking with God. The starting point is that promise. But then the rest of chapter 12, Abraham forgot the promise. And he's like, wait, hold on. There's famine. There's a problem. We've got to take care of the problem. Let's go to Egypt. Things are more plentiful there. We'll be taken care of. We'll gain some wealth. He's got it all figured out. But he forgot the promise. I will bless you. Not just you. I'm going to make your name great. You don't have to go to Egypt to get blessing. You don't have to go to Egypt to try to make your name great. I will bless you. Go to the land that I will show you. But he, he's got plans of his own. He's got some things that he's going to figure out. And we are going to see throughout the life of Abraham great hope for us because he will go back and forth quite a bit. Pursuing and trusting in the promise of God and then forgetting the promise of God and then pursuing and trusting in the promise of God and then forgetting the promise of God. So chapter 12, he forgot the promise, right? Went to Egypt, things didn't go well. Chapter 13, we're gonna look at a a transforming Abraham a bit. So chapter 13, verse one. Then Abram went up from Egypt and he, uh, he and his wife And all that he had, and Lot, with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock in silver and gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord." Abram came back. He came back to the place, right? He went up from Egypt, left the place that didn't work out well for him. Uh, He left the place of Egypt, he, his wife, and then his nephew, Lot, they went to the south. Uh, he, He went right back in this moment. He goes back to where he started, This is what it's telling us. He went back to the place, to the same place where his tent already was encamped, right? Where he already had set up an altar before. But see, this whole walk with God, belief in God was new to Abram. And so when he had strayed, when he had journeyed off to Egypt, and now is coming back, what does he do? He goes back to the place of what he knows, where he knows God is. Right, He's going back to that place. Of like, You know what? I know where I need to be right now. And sometimes maybe you, you have moments or times in your life you feel like it's dry or you feel like things are not going well. I've walked away. I've strayed away. I have forgotten the promise of God. I have forsaken the promise of God. And you're off wandering and you're doing your thing. Oftentimes, I, I can't tell you how many times people have walked through the doors of the church even after many years. And they're like, you know what? I know where I need to be. I've wandered. And maybe it's not even our church that they left our church and they came back to our church, but they have walked away. They've wandered and they said, I need to be back. I need to be back in fellowship with the Lord. I need to be back in fellowship with other believers. But you, people will often go to the place that they know is representing the presence of God. And that's what Abram is doing. He remembers now. He's going back to that place of the promise, this place of fellowship that he had with God, recognizing even here that Egypt was clearly a mistake, thinking going to Egypt was going to be a great decision, he could survive the famine, he could do do well for himself, and he comes back with great wealth is what we see here, he was rich in livestock and silver and in gold, big deal. Right? I mean, that's, that's kind of, it's just thrown in there as like a big deal. Nobody really cares. It doesn't really matter a whole lot, does it? Because this was wealth attained by kind of figuring things out for himself. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel. He went back to this encampment, back to this same place at the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of his fellowship with God. And that's where he goes back to. You see, Abram struggled to believe and trust in the promise through the famine. Egypt seemed like a good idea to Abram, but it proved not to be a good idea. And then even in this moment, it may look like failure. He went back. Did he go back, you know, ashamed? Maybe. But he went back to the altar. He went back to the place, what it says here is that Abram called on the name of the Lord. Because you can always call on the name of the Lord. You've never gone too far. You've never wandered too long. You've never wandered too far to come back and call on the name of the Lord. To come back to the place of worship, the altar. To come back to the place of fellowship with God. To come back to the place where you receive the promise, like Abram. That's what he did, he came back to that place, that's what he knew, that fellowship with God. He came back to the place which was the right place. It's right where he should be right now. Now on on the standards of the world, it would look like, man, Abraham, he went to Egypt It went well for him. He made money. He had livestock. He had gold and silver. Why would he go back? It looks like defeat, but it was actually victory because he's walking in the promise of God. When you mess up, get right. Call on the Lord. That's how you get right. Get that fresh start back to the beginning. Fresh start. And sometimes there's things that you're going to have to deal with, right? There's things of the past that still have to be dealt with. He still had Egypt as part of his past, part of his history. And there were struggles in life that he was going to have to walk through and deal with. There was even a mistrust, perhaps, that his wife had for him. But she had to learn to submit through that. He had to learn to walk by faith and deal with these things. But get back to that beginning. Get to the fresh start because you can always come back to the promises of God. Verse five, Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. He also had received great wealth. He also had added to his plentiful wealth of the livestock, the herds, the, I mean, and, and tents. He, he had many tents, right? He, and all of this is telling us they had a lot of people Right, A lot of people around them, a lot of wealth around them. They had employees working for them. But God told Abram to leave his family. Did he leave his family? Verse 6, now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. I like that it's thrown in there, verse 7. We can see that the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. What significance does that have? The Canaanites and the Perizzites are kind of just watching what's going on here with these new guys, with these new guys that are bringing some sort of different religion so to speak saying that we we trust in god we have a relationship with god and things are going to be different and they look different but it doesn't look very different they're watching and they're they're dwelling in the land and they're wondering what is so different about these guys they're just arguing with each other you see the problem is god told abram to leave his family but he brought his nephew with him and it seemed like it would seem like that's not a problem. Why? You know why is it a big deal if he would bring his nephew or allow his nephew to come along? But God told him to leave everything, leave his family. Now this is kind of this is some this is what happens. We bring things along with us into the place of the promise, right? We bring things along. We bring our stuff. We bring our baggage, and we think, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what you said, but I'm also gonna bring my ideas into it. I'm going to bring my baggage into it. Or, you know, we're going to do things your way mostly, but my way a little bit. And so what happens? Problems come. Abram was told to leave his family behind, but he brought his family with him. Already his father died in the journey. And now he's got his nephew with him. It's causing problems. Uh, And that this problem, it's interesting the timing. Because... It came in the midst of Abram trying to get right with God. Isn't that what the enemy will do? In the midst of us trying to get right with God, in the midst of us trying to get that fresh start, going back to the beginning and trusting in God and remembering the promise of God and and, and walking in obedience, what happens? Attack. Doubt maybe comes through that attack. And that attack comes even from family right now i'm not saying that family is going to attack you but there's there's things that come it's things that are close to you that may bring attack and it may be family it may be doubt that creeps in from something that family says to you or brings along because you've brought your baggage along the attack comes from our baggage the attack comes when we're trying to walk in obedience But we don't walk in total obedience. The attack will often come from all different places and even the close things to us as we're trying to walk with God. We're trying to come back to the place of the promise. But Abram and Lot could not dwell together. This is the bottom line. It didn't work. It tells us they could not dwell together. Because why? Because their possessions were so great. They had too much stuff to dwell together. It didn't work. Too many people, too many herdsmen. People are not getting along. So what do they have to do? Something had to change. Because the Canaanites and the Perizzites were in the land, and they're watching this happen. Which should look different, because Abram, is fulfilling and walking in the promise of God, it should look different. He should look different. He shouldn't look like the rest of the world, but they're watching. And what's happening here is they're blowing their witness. We bring our baggage into what God's promise is and we blow our witness. We do things on our terms, in our way. God had a plan for redemption. God had a plan to redeem the lineage of Abram, to use Abram, And now those who are dwelling there are watching this happen, this division, this anger, this uh, strife between uh, the herdsmen of Abram and of Lot. And they're not seeing God's redemption through that. So something had to change. And so there's a solution, verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, please, let there be no strife between you and me. And between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Please, he's pleading with Lot, please. Abram comes to, first of all, a place of peace, right? He comes to this place of peace with Lot to say, hey, we need to be at peace here. And in order to bring peace, we need a solution. But the peace here, first of all, needs to be between between you and me. Let's make sure we start there. But this, clearly, there was a lack of peace between them because of the lack of peace between the herdsmen, because he brings it up, right? He, he brings up the idea that we need to not have strife between us, Lot. And we need to, in order for there to be no strife between us, there needs to be no strife between our herdsmen. In order for there to be no strife between our herdsmen, then we need to go our separate ways. Verse nine tells us, it is, is not the whole land before you, Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Here is the solution. We go our separate ways, but we go peaceably. This isn't just like go our separate ways and I hate you and I'll never talk to you again. This is go our separate ways because it's for the better. It's for growth. It's for the benefit that we could be at peace. And that we don't have the Canaanites and the Perizzites are looking at us like we're crazy and we're blowing our witness and they're questioning God because of the way that we're interacting, because of the way that our herdsmen are interacting. I mean, the the idea of all that Abram and Lot had, the possessions that were so great, they were bringing a whole civilization with them. And now here's a new civilization that's just chaos between all of the workers, between the herdsmen here. So the solution, go our separate ways, but let's go in peace. It's not one of those, I'm gonna gonna say my peace, I'm gonna speak my mind, and then I'm out of here. He's like, look, there's all this land, you choose. And Abram brings peace even in giving the choice to Lot because he made a sacrifice. This was Abram's land Given to him by God. I mean, that's pretty solid if God is giving you something. This is Abram's land given to him by God. Lot had tagged along. He had allowed it, but there's Lot. And he doesn't say, Lot, get out of here. This is mine. Leave me alone. They had issues. Their herdsmen had issues. But he deals with it in peace. He deals with it in humility and he makes a great sacrifice by giving up the land that God had given to him God called Abram to Canaan he didn't call Lot but Abram let Lot choose he said look you go right I'll go left you go left I'll go right but you choose it's your choice first this is the solution sacrifice and humility is the best solution to strife. And when somebody, and when there's, there's a lack of peace or when there's strife, when there's problems going on between people, we will often come at it and we will combat each other over it. And we feel like our rights are attacked, are taken away. Abram didn't fight for that. This was his God-given land that he didn't say, no, Lot, this is mine. God gave it to me. You got to get out of here. He said, there's all this land. You, we need to separate. We need to go our separate ways, but I'm going to defer to you. And he made a great sacrifice because sacrifice and humility is the solution to strife. Remember that the next time you have a conflict with somebody. Humility. Humility. Sacrifice, putting others first. Abram is growing a lot here because Abram is trusting the promise of God. He's not stuck on, no, this is my land that God promised me. He's he's stuck on, God has promised me that I will prosper. God has promised me I'll be blessed. God promised me that I will have great descendants. However that's going to happen, I'm going to trust it. Quite a different moment, quite a different experience than Egypt, quite a different experience than what we'll see later on in Abram. But right here and now, he's trusting in the promise of God. He's not trying to hold on to position or power over Lot or rights to the land which God had given to him. This is the opposite of how he handled Egypt. See, there's good signs and there's good changes happening in Abram. And we're we're starting to see these things, right? We're seeing the work of God in his life, trusting the promise. And it doesn't mean that he never doubts. It doesn't mean for us, look, we're gonna go through times that we may doubt the promise, but we should always come back to the place of worship that place of the altar and calling on the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Verse 10 now, he continues, and he lets Lot, he, uh, and Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan And Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So Lot makes his choice. It starts out here in verse 10, that he lifted his eyes. Lot lifted his own eyes. As Abram presented to him, look, all the land before us, you choose. You go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. He lifted his eyes to survey, to see what, what do I want? What's the perfect real estate? What's the best place to build my, my little civilization? Where's the best place? You know, it's all about location, 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 right? Right? You go house shopping, you're like, I want the right place. I want to find the right house, but more importantly, I want to find the right place. And people will do anything for the right location. Lot was all about location, location, location. He wasn't concerned, though, about the effect that it might have on his life, on his heart, on his walk with God, on his family. We know eventually Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. His wife turns into a pillar of salt. That's not good, right? But this is what he was focused on. He was focused on the material abundance. He lifted his eyes to see the land in front of him. He saw with an earthly perspective. He lifted his own eyes. Later, we're going to see that the Lord tells Abram to lift his eyes. But Lot lifted his eyes, and he's looking in his terms. He's looking in his way. He's surveying the land. He's making his choice based on what he knows and what looks good. And even along the way, justifying his decision. Looking at this, oh, the, the land of, of the garden. Thinking like, it's, it's like the garden. That's the promise of God. The garden of the Lord. That's what it looks like. The water is flowing. It's plentiful, this land. And so we, we do the same. Like Lot, creating our version of the promise of God. Look at that. Look at what God has given me. Look at that land that's so plentiful just because it looks good trying to recreate and put together a counterfeit version in his own mind of the promise, of the promised land even. It looked better than Canaan, but Abram was in the promised land. So he's seeking after just the material abundance. And this, what we're seeing here is the difference between walking by faith and walking by sight. Quite literally, Lot lifted his eyes and he walked by sight, where Abraham walked by faith. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And it's talking about he's, getting, he's going towards Sodom, he's going to the place, he goes as far as Sodom, the, the, the outskirts, in a sense, of the plain of the Jordan getting as close as he can back to the other side where God had called Abram out of to the promised land where he had literally taken him from and now Lot is going as close as he can still along the plain of the Jordan but as close as he can and what it tells us about Sodom is that it's a wicked place and that's all it leaves us with right there But Lot is going to where it looks good, it looks plentiful, it looks like it's going to be fulfilling a promise of sorts. But in the same sense, at the same time, we see his real motive. And that even compares it to Egypt, like the land of Egypt. This is his real motive, it's material. Because Egypt represented wealth to him. Egypt represented all the things that he had possessed, that he had gotten and gained, and then brought with him. And now he's like, look, it's it's like the land of the Lord. It's plentiful, it's beautiful. So that must be the promise of God. And it's like Egypt, but that's representing all the material possessions. That's revealing his real motive. At the same time, he's trying to justify and saying it's like the promised land. It's like the garden, the land of the Lord. But he, put his, he, he pitched his tents. He put his, himself in the place of the wicked. Walking by sight often puts us in the company of the wicked. When we, can, we, we see what's in front of us and we make decisions based on what's right in front of us and we do not walk by faith but by sight, it will easily put us in the company of wickedness. But Abram, Abram had this restraint and Abram had every right to say, Lot, I'm gonna choose. Step back. Let me choose and then you could have the other way. But he let Lot choose first because he was restrained by God. He was restrained by faith. You see, faith, as we walk with God and we walk by faith, it will restrain us. It will temper us. It will settle us. It will keep us content as we walk by faith. Not looking for, man, look at the the plentiful land. Look at the counterfeit promise. Sometimes people, I've, I've talked to people over the years that have done this sort of thing or, 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 or do this type of thing. They're like, man, God is so good. Yeah, we're just, we're, we're going, we're moving across the country because it's, it's better weather. That's the reality. They try to come up with a spiritual explanation for it, right? I'm going to go live in Southern California because God is definitely calling me there. I don't know why, how God's calling me there, but there's a lot of churches there, you know? So it's good, right? Sure. That's great. Also, it's really sunny and warm, isn't it? Oh yeah, that too, you know. And we but we we start you start to get into the motive but they're thinking, "Man, it's just so perfect and I have this perfect opportunity, but where is the Lord in it?" Where's where is your decision making with Jesus? Is your decision making just based on what you see? Is your decision making based on all that's around you and what you can Get your hands on and figure out for yourself, like Egypt, or is your decision making based on God's promises, God's word, and walking by faith? Listen, anybody, you know, you maybe a, a young adult or high school, you're going into college and you're making a decision. Make a decision based on faith. Maybe there's a career path, you pray about it and make a decision based on your walk with God over. Man, it just all works out. It all makes sense. It's a beautiful thing. I'm not saying God isn't calling you. But how? Are you just trying to justify it with the land of the Lord, with the garden? It looks good. It looks like the garden. Looks like the promise of God. Or are you walking by faith and knowing without doubt that God is in the midst of it? You see, Abram is taking a huge step of faith by staying still, by not going and getting. And and, and that's, that's the truth. God will restrain us sometimes, and that's as much a step of faith as it is in going. George Mueller says this, The stops, as well as the steps of a good man, are ordered by the Lord. This great man of faith, George Mueller. If you have not read or studied any of George Mueller's life, unbelievable faith. Unbelievable faith. God provided in such miraculous ways time and time and time again he took steps of faith without a dollar to put to it and somehow god provided an abundance i mean he's like i'm going to build an orphanage why because god told me to build an orphanage he had no money to build an orphanage had no land to build an orphanage on but somehow oh here's land donated here's money to build a building Here's money to keep building onto the building. Here's money to keep building onto that building. I mean, God just kept providing. And that's the basic, but I encourage you, read read on George Mueller's life. But this man, this great man of faith, it takes just as much faith to be stopped by God as it does to be moved by God. It's a step of faith either way. And that's where Abram is at in this place of restraint because this faith is restraining him and it's keeping him content without going and getting. And all this is because Abram was in touch with God. He was moved to not move, but he was in touch with God. He was in fellowship with God. So when the the, the time came for him to make a decision, that was a huge decision, He chose the better thing, which is to be restrained and content by God. We need to be in touch with God. You want to know what to do with your life? Fellowship with God. Have fellowship with God. Be in touch with God. Read your Bible, that's His Word. Anything you hear from God will be consistent with the word of God. That's another thing. Don't go out there claiming God's promise if it doesn't align with Scripture. All right? If it's in disobedience to the word of God, God's not in it. Okay? <laughs> He's got nothing to do with that decision. Like, no, 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 it's cool. It's not cool. Like Abram, we need to be in touch. We need to be in fellowship, in prayer, seeking him in his word, but not just seeking him for answers. That is a tendency we have. We don't talk to God until we need an answer. We're like, oh, I'm good. Everything's fine. I'll keep my Bible on the shelf and everything's fine. I'm going to just, I'll talk to God when it's necessary. And then we're faced with the crossroads. We're like, God, what do I do? Help me. And we can't get an answer. We're trying to figure it out. We can't get an answer. Why? Because we're not in fellowship with God. We're not in touch with God. We're not hearing his voice. We don't know his voice. But Abram was in touch, and we need to be in touch with God. Verse 14, we continue. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now. And look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Going back, I'm gonna read this again. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan. That's it. And he journeyed east, verse 11. They're in Canaan. Lot's here. What does he do? He looks east plain of the jordan here we go tunnel vision lot vision is tunnel vision but god and lot like i said before he lifted up his eyes he saw what was right in front of him and he had tunnel vision because it looked good on his terms but god told abram he said lift up your eyes now when God moves us, when God lifts our eyes, there's so much more. And, and even in that, there's this word of encouragement to Abram, who might have been a little bit depressed at this moment. Based on the earthly terms, right, we might too. Like if you're standing and you're looking at right here in Howell, and you're like, we've got to separate. And somebody's like, you know what, I'm going to Manisquan Beach. It's nice. It's nice. And you're like, man, I wanted to go to Manisquan Beach, right? But now I got to go to Pennsylvania, right? Like this is our perspective on things. Like I know if I say you go left, I'll go right. and If you go right, I'll go left. But can't we switch? Because I like the beach better than I like the farm, you know? And so this is the reality. Like this is how we think. And you might imagine Abram is, he's, he's got his head down. Like, man, I would have liked to be on the plain of the Jordan there. That would have been a nice place. I would like to be on the beach, kicking back with my toes in the sand, right? I mean, this is putting it in our perspective of today in the world we live in. But then the Lord says, lift up your eyes now. And don't just look for what's in front of you. I want you to look north. I want you to look south. I want you to look east. I want you to look west. You see it? You see it, Abraham? It's not just the plain of the Jordan. It's not going back to where you came from. It's not going to the other side. It's not going to the Jordan. It's not going to Sodom and Gomorrah, which looks like a plentiful place. I mean, it is hopping. There's great civilization. There's great advancement of technology and all these things. You're like, yes, that's where I want to go. And as Abram might have been downcast, God says, lift up your eyes and look all around you, because I have so much more than the plain of the Jordan for you, Abram. I want you to look all around. And as you look around, he says in verse 15, for all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Forever. This is not a temporal thing. This isn't just go find your spot and, and, and get comfortable and enjoy your space because, hey, one day you're going to die and that's the end of it. No, Abram, look around. As far as you can see, this is yours. I'm giving it to you. North, south, east, and west, and not just here and now, Abram, but to your descendants forever. And what's happening in the world today? There is such an attack on the promised land, isn't there? There's such an attack on trying to gain control over Israel, the promised land, taking it away from God's people. Why? Because this is what the enemy is doing, trying to bring doubt and distorting the truth and the promise of God. From the beginning, this is what's been happening and this is what is still happening today and this is what's going to happen forever. The enemy is going to try to distort the promises of God to cause us to doubt. But God said to Abram, look around. It's all yours forever. All of your descendants. All that I've promised you of all the descendants, now here's all the land that I've promised you. It's better than what Lot's chosen, is what God is saying. So he says, Lift your eyes. Look at what the Lord gives versus what we might try to take. On our terms, in our way, we, like Lot, would say, I'm going to go get that nice spot over there. And we go and we take it. But God says, I've got better things to give you. I've got better things to bless you with. You don't have to try to attain because there's great promise. In this, he's giving Abram great reassurance. Abram exercised great restraint because he was restrained by the Lord. Now, he's been reassured by the Lord. Abram, lift your eyes, buddy. It's okay. Lift up your eyes. It's all good. All that you see, I'm giving you. And listen, let's refer back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And now what is he doing? He's saying, Abram, lift your eyes now. Here's the land that I'm showing you. North." South, east, west. God's fulfilling a promise right now. Beginning in chapter 12, he said, here is the promise of the promised land. Now chapter 13, look, I'm fulfilling the promise. This land that you might've been upset about losing out on the lot land over there, this is your land. I will show you, and now God is showing him. Because God always fulfills his promise. Always. There's no doubt about it. Let's not forget it. And God will show us. We might have to wait. Like Abraham, he went through Egypt. He thought, I'm going to go get the promised land. Famine in my land. I'm going to get the promised land. I'm going to Egypt. Egypt's great. Now coming back and being then a man of faith, walking by faith, restrained by the Lord, is like, ah, I tried to do that. I tried to go get it in Egypt. I'll let Lot go get it now. And so he did. God is showing him. And God will reassure us every time when we call upon him. He will reassure us every time when we make decisions of, to walk by faith and not by sight. He will show us. It may not be in the moment. It may be patience, but that's what faith is, right? It's waiting. It's trusting the promise of God, even though our current circumstance or situation may not feel like it's all blessing. But God is showing him. But it takes time, faith, And submission to see God's promise fulfilled. And this is only part of it. But we start to see the promise of God fulfilled here. Verse 17. uh, I'm sorry, verse 16. I'm going to read and uh, finish that section. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. This is, the, this is now furthering the promise. He's given him a promise to say, I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in, in all the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. He's promising a blessing. He's promising land. He's promising descendants. But now he's being more specific that it's like as many So now I'm giving you this land as far as you can see, north, south, east, and west. But then if the number of your descendants could be numbered, it's as many as the dust of the earth. Meaning you cannot number your descendants, Abraham. This is why we have the song Father Abraham, by the way, if you've ever heard that one in the children's ministry. Father Abraham has many sons, right? I am one of them and so are you, so let's just praise him. There is significance to this children's ministry song that I sang when I was three years old. And some of you realize, they're like, I never heard that one. You've been deprived. <laughs> we sing it when we go on all the missions trips because we could sing it in Spanish. So anyway. But the descendants would be great. As many as the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. If, if, the, num- if the dust of the earth could be numbered, then your descendants could be numbered. But they can't. That's how many your descendants will be, Abraham. This is the promise of God. He's clarifying. As he fulfilled a piece of it, said, look, here's your land. Now he's giving even more promise of how many his descendants will be. So then Abram could have a greater confidence. This is what God does. He fulfills a promise so we can have confidence in the next promise. And God knew that Abram was going to face some more trouble ahead. Abram was going to face this, the idea, oh no, my wife is barren, but God promised me that my descendants would be great. And then he goes through again, forgetting the promise and taking matters into his own hands, and we'll get further into that, 15, chapter 15, 16, 17, and beyond. But looking at this, God will give us, he will fulfill a promise like he did here, To prepare us and give us another promise. To give us confidence and hope in what's to come. This is what he does. We have confidence and hope in what's to come. Because all of his promises are yes and amen. Because of Jesus Christ, we have hope and confidence in the promises that are to come. Jesus said he would die on the cross. He died on the cross. Jesus said he would raise from the dead. He raised from the dead. Jesus said he would ascend to heaven. He ascended to heaven. Jesus said he's coming again. Have we seen that happen yet? Not yet. But can we be confident that it's going to happen? Absolutely. Why? Because of all the promises he's already fulfilled. And so here we see that God is helping Abraham in his faith. Here's a promise fulfilled. Here's another promise to look forward to. Now he says, arise and walk in the land through its length and and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron and built an altar there to the Lord. After he says, lift up your eyes, listen to the promise fulfilled, see the promise fulfilled, listen to the next promise, now he says, arise, walk, enjoy it. Enjoy the promise. Experience the blessing of the promise of God fulfilled in your life. And Abram obeyed. And his response was worship. He built an altar. Abram is the guy who, he likes to build altars. I mean, he goes, we already seen the one altar. He left. He came back to the same altar. Now again, he's building another altar because he's like, man, I'm going to worship God. God fulfills a promise. I'm going to praise him. God gives me another promise. I'm going to praise him. Because he was in touch with God. He was in fellowship with God. And so here he is. He walks in obedience, first of all. He he goes out. He takes his tent. He went and he dwelt by the terebinth trees, uh, which are in Hebron, and he built an altar there to the Lord. Giving glory to God for fulfilling the promise, for giving a promise, for renewing a promise, for giving him hope, for giving him confidence. Abram, is being transformed. At times forgetting the promise and other times pursuing the promise, remembering the promise, pressing into the promise. And here he is pressing into the promise through praise, through worship, building the altar to the Lord. Pursuing the promise through faith, Throughout this chapter, we've seen the faith of Abraham, the obedience, the sacrifice, and the submission to God. He sacrificed his own comfort, his own right to the land that God had promised, and he allowed Lot to choose. He walked in love, faith, sacrifice. He's being transformed, and it's, it's a process. Transformation is is a process, but he is being transformed, and we know eventually God's gonna change his name. There's enough transformation that takes place at that point, God says, now you're Abraham, right? But this is what God does. You are being transformed. That doesn't mean that you've arrived, that you have been perfected, right? Paul writes that, he says, not that I have attained or I've been perfected, but I press on toward the prize, toward the promise, Press on. And here's Abram. Being transformed. He doesn't have it all figured out. He's going to mess up again. But he's going to be the father of faith. He's a man of great faith. Because he is coming back. He keeps coming back to a place of worship. And being reminded of the promise of God.